Blog Talk Radio. The best in pro wrestling talk special Saturday edition. Uh, not able to do the show tomorrow night. Uh, full disclosure, I'm actually kind of psyched though tomorrow night. My, my dad surprised me and got me tickets to uh, see Mel Brooks do a live uh, spoken kind of thing uh, and screen uh, Young Frankenstein. So I'm kind of psyched to go see that tomorrow night. So uh, I'll be there hanging with Mel Brooks. So that is our conflict. So we're doing the show. On a Saturday, so hope everyone's having a great Saturday afternoon as we're getting real close to Memorial Day. Um, so kind of hang out, uh, you know, maybe go outside and, and bring your computer and listen to us while uh, sunning. Uh, maybe your pool's open, hang by the pool, a special Saturday afternoon edition of the Ken Reedy Show as we get you set for WWE Backlash. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Ken Reedy Show. Again, that is Facebook.com slash The Ken Reedy Show. Uh, we got lots of info over there, so check us out. Especially, you know, lately, uh, scheduling has been tough, so uh, we try to get that show in once a week. But uh, sometimes we got to finagle. Sometimes we're uh, not in our regular time slot on Sunday, so you want to be sure you get over to Facebook. Uh, that is uh, most of the time. That is where I will announce a scheduling change, so... Get over there to Facebook. And we're at like 498 likes. Put us over the hump. We need to get to 500. So head over again, facebook.com slash The Ken Reedy Show. You can check us out on Twitter. Our handle is at The Ken Reedy Show. Again, that is at The Ken Reedy Show on Twitter. Follow us over there. Uh, jump on board. Always tweeting stuff over there. I like to throw up uh, polls every now and again on the Twitter. So check us out over there. On Twitter, again, that is at the Ken Reedy Show. And you can check out our website. Lots of cool stuff over on the website. Uh, we got pics over there, blogs, lots of cool stuff. And you can listen to the show on the website as well. So check us out over there. The website is thekenreedyshow.com. If you're listening to us live, well, thank you so much for giving us a live shot on this special Saturday edition of the Ken Reedy Show. Give us a call, 347 347- Eight three eight nine eight one five is the number to call if you want to talk about wrestling, specifically WWE backlash. But if you're listening to us pre-recorded, you're probably listening to us on one of 
the fine networks that carry us each and every week. You can check us out on 1640 PWPR. Check us out. Check the other great shows out on the network. Uh, shows like the Cool Down with AC, as well as a, a bunch of others. Or you can check us out on the B-plus players over there. Lots of great shows over on that network. Very excited to be a part of them as well. So that's where you can listen to us pre-recorded. If you're not listening to us live, so many options. You have absolutely no excuses to not listen to us. You just have to. You have to listen to the best in pro wrestling talk. Got to give a special shout-out before we get underway to the guys at HOH. Um, specifically, uh, our buddy Nunzio slash Little Guido slash 100 Other Nicknames and Tommy Dreamer, who were nice enough uh, to give uh, us a table. Uh, in my real life, when I'm not doing wrestling podcasts, uh, I work with people with disabilities. And right now we're doing a fundraiser. We're selling raffle tickets uh, for a trip to the Dominican Republic. And Tommy Dreamer was nice enough to give us a table at HOH to sell some raffle tickets. So special thank you to House of Hardcore. Put on a kick-ass show last night. And and go figure, out of nowhere, Mick Foley. Mick Foley, who made the supreme sacrifice to drive 10 minutes to the HOH arena to show up, uh, make a surprise appearance. Uh, 10 minutes, man. 10 minutes. Traffic on a Friday afternoon to get into goddamn Long Island took me three over three hours to get there. But uh, it was cool to see Mick Foley get there, and uh, it was a good show. Good show. Congratulations to everyone involved in House of Hardcore. Really kick-ass show. Fun night, and special thank you to uh, Tommy Dreamer for giving us a shot to sell our raffle tickets. And let's get underway. Let's get into it. Um has it been? We've had, it's like, again, scheduling has been off. Like, and the anniversary boy is, is on the line. Tag team partner. Let's bring him up. Get through it. Dave, how you doing this? I was about to say this evening. I'm a creature of habit. How you doing this afternoon? Well, the anniversary boy is doing very, very well. Uh, happy Saturday to everyone. A nice sunny day here in uh, in, in uh, Connecticut. Looking forward to talking backlash. I'm actually pretty excited about this single brand pay per view. The card looks really good, and uh, you know. I know I pester the hell out of you about trying to get these pay-per-view shows in, but I'd love to do it. So I'm glad that you and you and rock have, uh, have decided to take a Saturday with me and talk some wrestling. So that's about it for me. Yeah. And then that's uh, one of the things we've done. And on uh, our uh, pay-per-view shows, uh, it's kind of been a cool addition to the show. Independent wrestling sensation. Rocky Santiago is in studio. Rocky, how you doing this evening? I said it again. God damn. <laughs> this afternoon. I am doing sensationally. Why, thank you, Ken. Thank you for that introduction. Ken, Dave, always a pleasure to be here. And uh, I'm looking forward to talking about Backlash. Should be a good show. See, Rocky had the privilege yesterday of accompanying me to, to HOH and assisting I, in, the, in the raffle. And got I, to see what, what Ken Reedy is like when he's sitting in three hours of traffic <laughs> in Long Island. It, it was a very interesting, uh, enlightening experience, let me tell you. <laughs> Yeah, I got it. I couldn't. I've never. I mean, Jesus Christ. The worst part about sitting in traffic for three hours in Long Island is the fact that it's three hours of traffic in Long Island. If you sit, in, if you're in your car for three hours and you wind up in like Boston at the end of it, it's like, okay. 
three hours, but I'm in Boston. Boston. You made progress. God, I'm in Long Island. I, I sacrificed all that time in, to wind up in Long Island. I hate Long Island. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 347-838-9815 is the number to call as we get to set for backlash. And, um, you know, it's interesting as uh, I, I kind of, and I want to get everyone's, we're going to go through match by match. We got some talking points. We obviously going to get our predictions in as, uh, we uh, try to gain on Dave for the yearly totals uh, heading into our, our competition over the year. Who's going to get the most uh, picks right. Um, and, and it's interesting. And, and I want to get your take you guys, both of you as like an overview. Um, but I, I kind of feel like a broken record on some levels on a lot of these pay-per-views. And it seems um, on some levels, uh, maybe this is just the way things are done now, but um, I find myself a lot of these pay-per-views looking at them and saying, uh, bad build, not excited about it. It's not, uh, you know, right now, even like I said, I'm not going to watch the pay-per-view tomorrow night live. Uh, I'll be, uh, hanging with the immortal Mel Brooks. Um, but I'm not like, I'm not bummed. I'm not like, Oh damn, I'm going to miss the pay-per-view. Um, I'm not excited about it, but when I look at it on paper, uh, I think you have Kevin Owens, AJ Styles, uh, should be a very good match. I'm very curious what the ladies are going to do. Um, and, and Ziggler and Nakamura, just off the top of my head, uh, should be a very good match as well. So I think you, it, it's almost like a lot of times when we talk about these pay-per-views that, at least for me, I'm lukewarm going into it. But on paper, when you look at it, you're like, well, there's a lot of potential for some really great matches. Uh Storytelling, maybe not not anything you get excited about. Uh, lead in, build, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, programs that maybe you're not into. That's where I'm at. Um, but again, when then I turn around and you know, it's I look at everything on paper and I look at the the card. And I'm like, hey, you know, there's there's some matches here that can be uh, very entertaining when it's when it's all said and done. I mean, just when you look at guys like Owens and Styles and Nakamura and Ziggler, and not that I'm saying that. Either of these would, but those are those are guys that could that are all potential match of the year guys, and those are two matches that could be match of the night, match of the year. You know that sort of potential, that level of of performance. So again, on paper, yeah, match quality looks like it could be an entertaining show. Leading into it, and, and you know, thinking how I feel, I feel like it's a eh. I'm I'm not excited, so it's it's just kind of a mixed bag for me when I go, and I feel like I, you know, to me, I feel like a lot of these pay-per-views. That's how I'm going into it. Not too excited as far as the build, but then I look at it and I'm like, hey, this could be uh this could be a really fun pay-per-view. Well, yeah. Again, I I think what this goes to this goes to something we've discussed many times before, in that. When you're just saturated with pay-per-views, you know, every couple of weeks. Again, I didn't I didn't make up the schedule to get more airtime, but the it, how do you build uh, something that whereas before you were doing it you know a build a month or every couple of months prior to that now you're doing it every like two three weeks uh, it's just you can't you it's you can but in my estimation those good bills are going to be few and far between simply due to your time crunch. Um, however, 
when you look at when you look at the card, like you said, you have a lot of great matches. You have a lot of great talent on the card, and I think especially with SmackDown being uh, at this point this is the clearly superior wrestling show to Raw. I think they might be resting a little bit on their laurels of that reputation to carry uh, the interest at pay-per-view from, you know, SmackDown pay-per-view to SmackDown pay-per-view. Uh, is, is that a good thing? No, I, you know, y- you can put a little more oomph into it, but uh, I think that's where they're at right now. Just my personal opinion. What do you think, well, Dave? Guys, well, guys, normally we all, you know, beginning conversations first, pick of the night, we're all, you know, lovey-dovey, glad-handing each other, hat trick, but guys, I'm going to have to disagree with you on both of your points. Ken, first, I'm actually, I'm not overly excited about this pay-per-view, but I think that there's a lot of potential for this to be even a pay-per-view of the year outside of WrestleMania. WrestleMania is on a different planet. Um, I think that there's been certain storylines heading into this pay-per-view that have been built up really well. Um, I think SmackDown is obviously the superior show, but also they get the the best use of their talents that they currently have. And I think in the it's been a better buildup than Payback. Payback to me was like a thrown together version of Saturday Night's main event. Like it was, I didn't care for it at all. Like I, I didn't really. Find, I may have found like one bright spot out of it, but like to me, like tomorrow night's show, I think has potential to obviously be much better night and day compared to what payback was. Um, and to, to rock to your, to your point about SmackDown wrestling on their laurels, I would, I would have to friendly uh, in a friendly way, disagree with you because I feel like as, as fans, we've all been known to complain and overanalyze and overcriticize the product, um, wanting more wrestling and wanting less goofy storylines and, and, and wanting better ways, to, for a storyline to pay off Like for example Shinsuke Nakamura and Dolph Ziggler Probably My opinion Has the potential to be match of the evening Among other matches on the card But just for argument's sake Shinsuke and Dolph really haven't like Touched each other with the exception of the other night On TV They haven't had Shinsuke wrestle a match at all He came back two nights after WrestleMania. He made his debut Excuse me, Two nights after Wrestlemania it's been over a month. We're going on the two months. We're all going on almost two months of his debut to, to currently tomorrow night. And he's going to have his first match on the main roster. I think that's been a proper build for a guy like him, as a special talent like him, not overexposing him and oversaturating. Another point you brought up about the pay-per-views. Yes, I could see in many ways. Two and three weeks apart, pay-per-views can be very oversaturating for a wrestling fan. But at the same time, if you follow the – WWE ideology, logic, whatever you want to call it, with the brand extension, SmackDown guys haven't been showcased on pay-per-view since WrestleMania, with the exception of Randy Orton at, at, at Payback and that god-awful House of Horrors match. So I feel like that this is the best use of the talent that SmackDown currently has on the roster on pay-per-view in quite some time from a single-brand pay-per-view perspective. And that's why I think this could be potentially... From an in-ring standpoint, pay-per-view of the year, aside from WrestleMania. Fair points. I can't argue with it. Yeah, and honestly, I do think that on paper, I'm just, I'm not overly excited as far as the build. I do think that there's a lot of potential for this to be a, a very good pay-per-view. Um, 
And, and that being said, and I'm not going to get to, we're going to get into our picks in, later on, but uh, for this match at least. But I, I'd like to, you know, it, it's one of those things that I'd like to get into. And I think to your point, Dave, when you talk about how fans, um, and we all do it. We all do it as fans. We talk out of both sides of our mouths. We'll complain about one thing, and then, uh, you know, seemingly the WWE will try and go in a different direction, and we'll complain about that as well. I mean, that's, uh, you know, we try not to complain too much here, but uh, I, I think we all do that on some levels. It's just the nature of the beast. And uh, I, I'm curious, without getting into the picks just yet, I, I want to get into, though, the, the Jinder Mahal push right now. And I'm going to put it out there as uh, I'm going to put two sides out there. And I'm, I kind of want to have a discussion on, on the push. Um, I, I think it's intriguing. I, I do think this is intriguing, but I think there's interesting points to be made on both sides of it and whether uh, this push is a good thing or not. Um, when I look at Jinder Mahal, I look at a guy that's chiseled out of granite um, that continues to get better Um However, I, you know, in discussing this with other wrestling fan friends, um, a friend of mine brought up a good point that is as good as he is and as, as much as he's improved, um, Jinder's been essentially a jobber for a long time, and now all of a sudden, out of nowhere, is supposed to take him seriously as a bona fide uh, championship contender. Um, but at the same time as fans, uh, we do tend to look at, you know, why can't you do something different? Why can't you try and push someone new? Why can't you take someone else and, and try something? So there's that aspect. And I see both sides of it in all honesty and, and putting out there, my feeling, I'm kind of cool with the Jinder Mahal push, but I do see that aspect of, well, how can you take a guy ser- as a serious threat for like, do you expect this? And this is actually what my buddy said. You expect us to forget about the rest of Jinder's career? Like, we're supposed to forget about everything else, and just all of a sudden he's a bona fide threat to Randy Orton's title reign. And, and I can see that point. I don't know if I necessarily agree with it, but I can see that point. Um, do I see Jinder Mahal as a bona fide long-term main event guy? I'd probably, for me, I'd probably say no. Do I think that they probably now watching him, they probably made a mistake over the years and they could have done more with them before now. Yeah, I do. And is he a guy that I think could be a really solid mid card heel that could have a nice heel run with a, an IC title or a U.S. championship, but like a real good run and really hold down uh, the mid card as a heel um, yeah, I think that he's got a lot of potential to, to be a very, very valuable uh, commodity on Raw or SmackDown, from what I've seen of him so far. Um, so I do find it intriguing. It's something new, which is good, but I do see the point of, you know, he's been portrayed as something subpar for so long. How do you take him seriously? Dave, your thoughts on the Jinder Mahal push? Ken, I would have to agree with you this time around that I could see both sides of the coin. Why take a guy like him so seriously? What makes What's going to make me care about him now that he's fighting for the WWE Championship? Um, but on the other hand, I go back and, I, and I, I look at all those chat discussions and message boards, and if there are even still message boards around there, I might be dating myself, and, and all the, you know, the, the, the wrestling banter online and on social media, and people complain about, you know, I want something different. I want someone new in the title picture. I want someone that a fresh face. I don't want to see the same matchups 
Well, now you're getting a different matchup, but it just might not be the matchup you want. So be careful what you wish for because you just might get it. Um, to your point about him being a long-term main event heel, time will tell. I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make a decision on that um, because I don't want to divulge too much. But in, in, to, in today's pay-per-view throwback, I will give you my feelings comparing Jinder Mahal's current push to the push of a certain individual that competed for the WWE Championship 13 years ago against Eddie Guerrero, and I'm referring to JBL. But I won't get into too much there. However, I will say this. Jinder Mahal, he has definitely improved with his physique, and you can't forget the things that he had done in the past, which is pretty much a lot of forgetful things, like his run with 3MB or his failed singles push when he first started. However, um, Jinder Mahal... And, and, and I don't want people to take this the wrong way, but he is of Indian descent. Uh, in, in wrestling, it's a formula that has been used for many, many years, especially in WWE. Anybody who's not American is a bad guy. If you touch on the pulse of international relations and, and, and the immigration issues that people have discussed in our country today, it could serve as a launching point for a potential storyline for Jinder Mahal moving forward that may make that may help ascend him into the wrestling you know excuse me into the main event picture even further so that's just my take on the Jinder Mahal situation there's a lot of different feelings I have about it but like you can I'm cool with it right now it's different and it's fresh and I'm actually interested to see what the future holds for him regardless of the outcome of his match with Randy Orton tomorrow night well, I think for this point, uh, this time, I think we're all going to be in agreement because I myself am enjoying the gender push. Uh, let's face a couple of facts here. A, like, like you said, Ken, the dude's chiseled out of granite. The dude has a physique. He can move in the ring. And by my estimation, that means you've already rounded second and you're running hard on third. Uh, he is improving with every passing week. So, you know, I... Fresh face, why not? Uh, I hearken back to uh, a certain individual who, you know, we were supposed to root for. It's it's not quite the same uh, situation, but kind of the same, because if you remember back in the day, Sean Waltman, with his many personas as the lightning kid and the whatever kid, and and he was bounced against Razor Ramon for how long? before he got a fluke victory and he was, he was the new kid on the block. It was a fresh face and people got behind it. Now, obviously in this particular case, you're not going to have gender playing like the, the underdog guy, but it, it, along that same vein, he's this guy who has been beaten down for a while. And finally he's like, I'm not going to take it anymore. I'm going to take whatever opportunity uh, is presented itself. And I'm going to seize it hard. And uh, to uh, Dave's point, I think that lined you up very well for a heel push. Y- you have his cohorts, the, the Bollywood boys. Y- you have everything, uh, all the elements there that can make uh, a bona fide uh, big heel push for gender. And by my estimation, more power to him. Let's see where it goes. Yeah, I mean, you know, and it's funny because you bring up, uh, I think Sean Waltman's an interesting example, but Sean Waltman, also a guy that never did really make the main event, uh, had a really good career, but never made that bonafide main eventer kind of kind of status. And uh, 
I do like it's one of those weird things, and I can't put my finger on it. There are just certain guys that you look at that have an it factor, and I don't necessarily see it from gender, so I don't necessarily see him as a um, a main eventer. But I do see. I hope they they jump on this because I do see some long term success out of him. Um, I think he's uh, as as Vince McMahon put out there, grabbing the brass ring. Um, I think he's taken this opportunity. He's made the most of it. I Dave, you brought up an excellent point. Um, right now, and for God's sakes, we're not getting into politics, but in Trump's America right now, immigration, if you can touch on that at all, uh, any sort of ethnocentrism, storytelling, any, uh, like you said, Dave, uh, you know, people outside of being American uh, have been vilified for years uh, in the, the current climate. Of, of America and where we're at right now done the right way. This is a, this time period is ripe for that type of character, that, that foreign heel, that, that real evil foreign heel that, that people can really sink their teeth into and really hate. And I hope that, you know, whatever comes out of tomorrow night's match with, with Randy Orton, I hope they don't drop the ball going forward. I hope that after Randy Orton that, you know, it wasn't like they took Jinder Mahal and said, we got to figure out someone to run up against Randy. Let's do this for a little while. And then, all right, we're done with Jinder Mahal. Let's move on to something else. I hope that in creative and whoever's running things in Stanford has like, all right, after Jinder's done with Randy, we're going to move him into this program because I do and I guess we're all in agreement. We're kind of digging the push. And uh, as much as I don't see him necessarily as a main eventer, um, I would love to see where it could go. I would love to see. I, I really enjoy watching in any walk of life, in any sort of profession, that whenever anybody is given an opportunity, that they just that they take the ball and run with it. I think it's really cool to see uh, when an opportunity presents itself, what someone does with it. And, um, you know, if, if the WWE conducts their business in that way and looks at guys and says, you know, they, they made the most of an opportunity, um, I think Jinder Mahal has made the, the most out of that uh, opportunity he's had right now. And I think when you see what he's doing, he's deserved of being given a substantial storyline even after this Randy Orton thing is done. And, and that's, you know, grabbing that brass ring and, and taking the most of an opportunity um, – to me, that's that's uh, that's what it's all about. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five is the number to call. We got a lot to get into, and as I talk about guys taking the opportunity, what about Brizango? Reminds me a little bit of John Belushi. We'll get into that after the break, but right now it is time for Dave. We do this every pay per view show. It's time for Dave's pay per view throwback. Take it away, Dave. Thank you, Ken. Good afternoon, class, and welcome back to another informative pay-per-view throwback retrospective. SmackDown Live, WWE Backlash, an event that has lasted a decade long, took a hiatus, and then returned this past fall of 2016. Like I did on that evening in September, I chronicled the history of the event and the effects that moments and matches had on the landscape of WWE at those given times. Today, however, I plan to take a different approach, and go back 13 years and five days ago to Judgment Day 2004, 
where Eddie Guerrero defended his WWE championship against John Bradshaw Layfield. Why, you ask? Well, this main event shows striking similarities to tomorrow night's main event for the WWE Championship as veteran champion Randy Orton defends his title against the out-of-nowhere left-field pick of a challenger in the Maharaja, Jinder Mahal. So with that being said, let's not wait any longer and let's get right into today's lesson plan entitled Fresh Face. It was the spring of 2004 and SmackDown was going through a rough transition as Brock Lesnar had left the company to pursue outside interests. Kurt Angle was sidelined with a serious neck injury. Those events resulted in a good old-fashioned WWE draft. Not a superstar shakeup, but a draft. The end of the draft didn't raise any eyebrows for those hoping SmackDown would come out of this hole. As a matter of fact, things were looking bleak for the blue brand as Big Show was written off television for reasons unknown, leaving another large void to fill in the main event picture. That was until WWE was met with John Bradshaw Layfield. With the draft came new opportunities, as Ron Simmons from the APA had retired from in-ring action, leaving his partner Bradshaw to explore other options in WWE. The team split on the March 18, 2004 SmackDown, as general manager at that time, Paul Heyman, had fired Simmons for not winning the You're Fired tag team match prior. Simmons, upset with the outcome, told Heyman to stick it, that the APA had quit. However, Bradshaw hesitated to back up his partner's words, forcing Simmons to disband the team. The following week, we witnessed the birth of WWE's modern-day version of JR from the acclaimed 80s primetime soap opera Dallas, JBL, John Bradshaw Layfield, a filthy rich Texan who specialized in being a stock guru. With shorter hair and a clean-cut look, 10-gallon cowboy hat, and a custom-made suit only Ric Flair could appreciate, WWE Creative was off to the races with a new character for the fans to love to hate. JBL's character wasted no time in making his intentions clear that he would be better suited as the WWE champion rather than the current champion, Eddie Guerrero. For myself as a fan, I had a difficult time picturing a man who was in tag team purgatory for quite some time being worthy of the WWE championship. At best, I saw JBL as a great mid-card heel with runs as United States champion to pad his resume. So when I began to witness this slow crawl towards the main event picture, I was hesitant to invest into this storyline moving forward. Cautious optimism, as we like to refer to several situations here at the Ken Reedy Show, crept in week after week. JBL became firmly entrenched in the top storylines on SmackDown. Physical altercations with names the likes of Rey Mysterio and WWE champion Eddie Guerrero, coupled with JBL's disparaging remarks to members of the Latino population in this country, brought the Wall Street wizard right to the center of the proverbial heat magnet. Several controversial vignettes portraying JBL as a defender of the United States, protecting our country from illegal immigrants entering into the land of the free, had made JBL one of the fastest rising bad guys in wrestling at that time. It also didn't help that newly appointed SmackDown general manager Kurt Angle handed JBL a WWE title opportunity on SmackDown by awarding him with a bogus Kurt Angle Great American Award. Mind you, my cautious optimism that I reminded you all of was beginning to descend from the cautious side as weeks go by. It wasn't until Mother's Day 2004, 
Eddie Guerrero defended his WWE title at a non-televised event in his hometown of El Paso, Texas, which so happened to have WWE cameras on hand to film all the action. It was the post-match affair, however, that brought this rivalry into overdrive. Eddie was paying homage to his wife and mother in the ring when JBL came out to a chorus of boos to disrupt the festivities. A clothesline from hell put the champ down, which left JBL all alone with the matriarch of the legendary Guerrero family. JBL's presence and a forceful grab to Mrs. Guerrero's arm caused the 74-year-old woman to go into cardiac arrest. Legitimately. According to Bruce Pritchard on his Something to Wrestle With podcast chronicling the Radicals' WWE run, he mentioned how stressed out the elder Guerrero was to be performing this angle in the middle of the ring, that she suffered from a minor heart attack. A classic case of when fiction had become reality further intensified the WWE Championship match at the upcoming pay-per-view. I remember after this incident that I had gained some interest in the JBL character and was looking forward to seeing his pay-per-view showdown with Latino Heat. A feeling I didn't expect to overcome me when this storyline originally began. Just another small sign that his unexpected fresh face was starting to grow on me. The stage was set. Staples Center, Los Angeles, California, a sold-out arena with a large Latino population firmly behind Eddie Guerrero in his quest for revenge against John Bradshaw Layfield. Once the bell rang, it was all business. The hot-tempered Latino heat trying whatever he could to exact revenge on JBL, with JBL somehow managing to sneak away time and time again. But as time wore on, so did Eddie, and that's where JBL began to take control and pounce on the WWE champion. The fans inside the Staples Center showing their allegiance to their Latino brethren while firmly voicing their displeasure for the Wolf of Wall Street. In the closing moments of this contest, though, is where business really picked up. A ref bump courtesy of Eddie Guerrero caused the action to get out of hand, spilling to the outside where JBL found the nearest steel chair and hauled off on Eddie Guerrero, causing his forehead to lacerate. And when I mean lacerate, the proverbial crimson mask came out that evening covering the entire face of Latino heat. The entire ringside area was covered in blood. Announcer's table, ring apron, timekeeper's area, the in-ring canvas was a scene out of a murder mystery. For non-wrestling fans, some would have thought a person had died in the middle of the ring. That's how much blood was lost. While all this was going on, with the referee unable to officiate, the match had still been taking place. As the referee came to his senses, near falls by both men had the crowd on their feet. The intensity of both men was on display as we were witnessing a fight to the death, as cliche as that may sound. The final moments of this match saw JBL try to sneak a steel chair into the ring, only for Guerrero and the referee to stop him. The referee attending to the steel chair, Eddie grabbed his WWE title and laid into JBL, causing the disqualification and signaling the end of the match. Both individuals had given everything they had in this match, some, have, some more than others, maybe a little too much. Nonetheless, after witnessing this bloodbath, I knew this storyline between these two was far from over, and I was thoroughly looking forward to seeing what these two had up their sleeves the next time they met on pay-per-view. As well as looking forward to what else the JBL character had to offer moving forward. After this match, he made a believer out of me that he had potential to make a big splash in the WWE from a single standpoint. Now, after all that, you're probably wondering how this ties into tomorrow night's WWE Championship affair between Jinder Mahal and Randy Orton. Well, for starters, both matches are taking place in the month of May on pay-per-view, both for the WWE Championship and both representing the SmackDown brand. 
a brand that has been virtually dubbed the land of opportunity. In previous incarnations of the brand split, SmackDown has always been seen by many fans, including myself, as a proving ground of sorts for talent. If you, if you can make a big splash on Team Blue, then you could certainly be worthy of being a major player on Monday Night Raw. Thirteen years ago, I felt that way about JBL, and I feel that way about Jinder Mahal today. Mahal, like JBL when he first started his singles run, had virtually been seen as a lower-card performer. So when he emerged victorious in his quest to earn a WWE title opportunity, it came as a shock to many WWE fans. Shock to the faithful fellows over at the IWC and other forms of wrestling fans alike. With WWE's expansion into India, this opportunity for Mahal is looked at as a chance for him to break out and represent his culture as the company looks to plant their flag in that particular international television market. Tomorrow night, Mahal will be looking to make a name for himself going forward with a career-defining performance. Just my opinion, but win or lose, in the fans' mind and in management's mind, he has to deliver or else his standings in WWE may be in question after backlash. Me personally, I think win or lose, Mahal has a bright future ahead. In the build-up to this match, Mahal has gained the upper hand on Randy Orton on a number of occasions in this particular storyline. He stole Orton's WWE Championship. He cost Orton that god-awful House of Horrors match at payback against Bray Wyatt. He's gained new fight, newfound allies in the former Bollywood boys, now known as the Singh Brothers. He defeated AJ Styles on this past week's SmackDown Live, not without a little help, but a win is a win. Creatively, the company is making his character into a legitimate threat to Randy Orton and his WWE title. Shit. He even had the pleasure of rubbing shoulders with the NFL's New England Patriots' Rob Gronkowski at WrestleMania recently, which resulted in the worst wrestler in the history of wrestling, Mojo Rawley, to win the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. When you're placed into an angle with a mainstream celebrity or athlete at WrestleMania, then the company must have some big plans for you. I just hope that for his sake, a good showing tomorrow night could lead to better creative opportunities moving forward. Class, I'd like to thank you for joining me this afternoon. I hope you enjoyed a trip down memory lane with my pay-per-view throwback retrospective. I'm your professional wrestling historian extraordinaire, Dave Rosenbluth. Enjoy Backlash. Class dismissed. Good stuff, man. You know, it's, it's a, you know when, um, when you brought up JBL versus Eddie Guerrero, for, for, if anyone's listening who has not seen that match, uh, you have no idea. Like when Dave was saying, it was, I mean, it, the amount of blood spilt in that match. I know a lot of people, like, you know, you're a wrestling historian. You go back to, like, the 80s matches, the blood baths, uh Jimmy Snuka, Ric Flair, and you look at those pictures, Dusty Rhodes. But I, this might be the bloodiest match I remember ever seeing. And um, I just remember going, like, watching that match. And I used to have, I had a group of friends, group of male friends that would hang out and watch every pay-per-view. Every Sunday we'd all get together, drink, hang out, and, and watch the pay-per-view. And we got together for, for that one. And, and at that point, well, it was 2004, so, yeah, I'm in my 30s at that point. And I, I will tell you, man, like 30-some-odd-year-old men were turning away from the television set because there was so much blood. There were guys hanging out that were getting nauseous because of the amount of blood that was being spilt in that match. I just, if you have not seen it, if you're listening to this, uh, take Dave's description, take my description, 
go and watch that match. But I'll tell you, I that was one of those things, and you've seen it, Rock. That that was one of those one of matches where matches. the amount of blood spilt was like, is Eddie going to live through this match? I mean, is this something that at some point does a doctor have to come out and just say it's over? I mean, there's puddles everywhere. I, I again, one of my favorite matches. But I, I truly don't know how the heck Eddie sees at, at, at that point because it, it's everywhere. It's just it's in his it's it's, it's everywhere. It's, it's his everywhere. eyes. You know, it was everywhere, and it was like thick. It was like he severed an artery because it had like that like deep red, almost purplish color. It was just you could almost see his heartbeat. I'm getting out. nauseous to describe it. <laughs> you right could almost see his heartbeat on his face. Yeah. It's oh. like, so I mean, it's, it's, like, if, if you want to see something. What was that, Dave? It was like turning on a faucet. Like the minute he like the chair hit, and whenever he wherever he cut his, you know, the, made the incision with the blade. Like he sat, like there was a shot of him like leaned up against the, you know, the the, the guardrail or wherever it was, and the, it was just like squirting out. Like it was like something out of a yeah. movie. Like you could, you couldn't even believe it. And you want interesting story. I remember when this happened. Then they did an angle on SmackDown. Um, you know, the, you used to tape SmackDown two nights later, and they. Obviously, it's now live on Tuesdays, but they did an angle where, like, he collapsed in the ring because of the loss of blood, like, two nights later. Well, he had to get a blood transfusion legitimately, like, after the match. Like, that's how much blood he lost. Like, I remember here, uh, it was in, I think, in, uh, in his book, he wrote that he had to get a blood transfusion uh, because he, lost, he had lost so much blood. And, like, after the match, Vince was like, thank you for that, but holy cow, don't ever do that again. It was was scary. It was like it was like how Vince felt after Foley jumped off the cell. Like I appreciate what you did for our company, but please don't ever do that again. Like that was the same way with Guerrero. I I, I gotta wonder. You know, we hear we heard from Guerrero in his book. I wonder how the ring crew felt after that. I was like, oh man. (laughs) Like fuck this. Again, uh, it just was the most. uh, You know, and like you like I guess it's like one of those things where you know when you hear about guys blading and, and gigging, uh, you know, whatever uh, terms you use. And, you know, I, I remember like the first time a, a wrestler described it to me and said, you know, you want to give yourself kind of a, you know, an incision, but small enough. And when you're in the ring and you're, you're sweating, you know, the head will just bleed. So it's going to look worse than it is. Just got to give yourself a, you know, a, a decent small cut and let the, the sweat mix in and, you know, it, it, it'll look good. And even to the point where, like, you know, I, I shave my head. And every so often I'll nick my head. And just having, you know, water and stuff around. Like, I play around and look in the mirror. Like, oh, the crimson mask. And I'm like, and it's just like a little nick. Um, you're right, Dave. Like, it was just, there was no, like, oh, yeah, it's bleeding a little bit. Now mixed with sweat. Now it looks worse. No, it was a faucet <laughs> immediately. It was just pouring out of his skull. Immediately, and that's that's enough of that. <laughs> I'm gonna get nauseous talking about this. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five is the number to call. Uh, it is one of my all-time favorite matches. So you brought it up, Dave. I was like, ooh, I want to talk about this. But let's get into it. And I teased before we went to the break about uh, my thoughts on Brizango and comparing them to, to John Belushi. And I, and I don't know where exactly the sketches are coming from for Brizango, but. Um, one of the things that John Belushi was known for back in the day on Saturday Night Live was John Belushi would take sketches that were thrown in the garbage 
um, that, that writers were like, this is going to be, this, this sucks. We can't make this funny. Get rid of it. And Belushi was known for going to find those sketches and saying, yeah, I'll make this funny. Um, you know, and certain things like apparently I think, uh, uh, was it Samurai Deli? Samurai Deli, right? That's what it's called. Yeah, uh, it, that, I think that was a scrap. Samurai Delicatessen. Yes, that, that was a scrap sketch. Um, I think uh, the, the Bumblebees was a scrap sketch. So, and, and Belushi. The Killer Bees. The Killer Bees. The, uh, so that was Belushi's thing. And I'm not saying that something was necessarily uh, a, a, like thrown in the garbage or whatever, but to my point before, when someone goes and, and grabs the brass ring, this past week on SmackDown, watching the fashion police and the sketch they had, the law and order spoof they did on SmackDown. And it started off and I was like, God damn it. This is effing awful. And a a mere like milliseconds away from hitting the fast forward on my DVR uh, to to fast forward past this. And I decided to give it a chance. And when it was all said and done, I was cracking up. I thought that uh, the, the two of them took a, a sketch that really could have been the drizzle shits and did their best with it and gave it, gave it some life and gave it some humor. Um, and for me, it harkened back to stuff like Fuji Vice from back in the day. And if you're listening to this and you have never seen Fuji Vice, for shame, for shame, go check it out on YouTube. Go watch Fuji Vice. But I, I kind of dug it. I was like, I shouldn't be laughing this hard. I should be sitting here thinking this sucks. And I'm actually cracking up. It was one of the few comedy sketches that the WWE's done in recent memory that I was kind of entertained from start to finish. I thought it was pretty funny. I can't say that I've been a big fan of the fashion police, but you're saddled with a gimmick like that. Um, do the best you can with it and make it work. And And I think these guys are taking a gimmick that – Maybe it's not the best gimmick, and they're they're doing everything they can to make the gimmick work. So kudos to them. I'm not like the biggest Breezango fan, but I'll tell you, they took a sketch that maybe should have been scrapped, and they made it pretty entertaining. What are your, what are your thoughts on that, Dave? Um, it has that like TNT kind of comedy element. Tuesday Night Titans for some of you, you know younger fans. Yeah, out yeah, there. yeah, exactly. You know, like some of you younger fans out there that, that that don't know what I'm referring to, go to the WWE Network. They have like a Tuesday Night Titans archive section um it was like a talk show slash like stupid slapstick kind of comedy like it had that element to it i was kind of like you can i was like wow this is awful but then it kind of grew on me both are talented guys and i like the pairing of the two of them um i didn't really dig the fashion police at first but i mean it could kind of it's got some legs to it and i'm, I'm kind of actually digging the idea that they're portraying them as like comedic baby faces of sorts so like I said, both of them are talented. Those talented is all hell, and I felt like that you know they should have gotten an opportunity a long time ago. But nonetheless, they're getting it now. I, I, I'm that's why I'm I'm enjoying the, the I've enjoyed the build up for this pay per view and what this pay, the potential this pay per view has. You know, backlash of backlash, so to speak. I hate to you know use a cliche because these guys. I don't know. Just overall, like I think that they're like I said, super talented. I'm mumbling over my words here, but. They, they they deserve this opportunity. It's long overdue for them. And I think you look at that, and it's, it's you can draw a comparison with with Jinder Mahal, like another guy that's just kind of, um, you know, maybe you know, getting a, a push, getting so, getting something, and and doing the most with it. And like you said earlier, Dave, land of opportunity. Um, 
I, I, it's, I just, I, I'm shocked at like the, my mood from like the start of the sketch to the end of the sketch where I just, it started and I was like, Oh my eyes rolling the whole nine. And then by the end of it, I'm like, Jesus, how the hell did I actually enjoy this? But I actually did. And you're right. Check out wrestling TNT. If nothing else, there's a number of episodes. Just Captain Lou being drunk is, is enough <laughs> to, to watch TNT. So check out TNT on the network. That's gold. Yeah, no, it, it, I think it, it was it was hilarious, and you know, you, you look at these guys. Let's let's face it, Fandango is definitely no stranger to, you know, imagine starting out with a ballroom dancing gimmick and probably thinking, okay, this is not going to go anywhere fast, and then one raw just, and and he ran with it, and it was a thing for a while, and then you have him who who's a talented worker and you have Tyler Breeze who himself is a talented worker and you put them together with the fashion police. And yeah, at the beginning it did not have a lot of legs, but seeing this sketch and these guys just totally not taking themselves seriously at all, just taking it, having fun with it. And you can tell they were having fun with it. It's like, how can that not be gold? And yeah, I'm sure plenty of people were at that point, Kim, where they're just ready to change. But let me just watch five more seconds, and then and then you know you get hooked, and now we're we're waiting we're going to be waiting for the next uh, episode of the fashion. Exactly. It's like someone walked up to him. It was like you know I just grabbed this file out of the uh, the drizzle shits cabinet. Like here, this is for you. And like I will right, we'll make it work. Um, and these guys so Brizango tonight going after the SmackDown title. I said tonight. I just I can't get out of like the fact that I'm doing this on a Saturday afternoon, the day before a pay per view. Tomorrow, taking on the Usos, and, and I kind of dig their new persona and their. Uh, um, I like the the contrast in the two, especially on on this past SmackDown. I like you know the uh, comedic baby faces versus the the hardened street tough uh, heels. I kind of dig like the dichotomy of, of the two characters. I, I think it's just, it, it works as far as these two teams going at each other. There's a few matches on the cards. We get into it that I'm, I'm going to feel the, the same way as far as picks. I, I look at this match and if I'm going to get into picks, I think it's going to be a fun match. It's going to be an entertaining match. Um, I, I think, you know, the Usos are a team that, that, uh, do not get enough credit. Uh, they are a consummate tag team. Uh, they're a great tag team. Uh, they, they get tag team wrestling. Um, and I think this is going to be a very entertaining tag team matchup. Uh, this is one of those matches on the card that picks wise, I'm going to pick the Usos to win. I would not be shocked if there's some, screwy finish and Brizango wins, but doesn't get the title tomorrow night. Um, that wouldn't shock me. Uh, but right now I am going to go with the Usos to win the SmackDown tag team or win to retain the tag team titles, uh, tomorrow night at backlash. Dave, your thoughts on this. Um, I'm expecting this to be a fun match. I think both teams have worked with each other before in the past. They've had some pretty good outings against each other. Um, the Usos, when they turned uh, last year and they changed their persona up, it felt like that they were really missing something or the company just wasn't really 100% behind it. But then they, they kind of stood out like towards the end of the uh, WrestleMania season build with their promo and the matches they had with American Alpha and this, you know, the, the, their, their intensified, hyped-up promos that they have with each other where they kind of go back and forth 
together in their monologue, it seems to be catching on and working to the point where, like, almost they're too entertaining. They might have to turn them babyface. And like you said, Ken, they're a tag team in the, in, the, in the truest form. Don't get enough credit for what they've done for tag team wrestling in WWE. But I feel like they got a little bit lost in the shuffle. They didn't have a match on the card at WrestleMania. They were just kind of wedged into the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. So I feel like they have to hold on to the titles and keep the titles. And I think as Brizango's popularity continues to grow, they're going to continue chasing the Usos for the belts. I'm expecting a hell of a match. Could be the match of the night. But Usos will walk away, still the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, tomorrow night. And I agree. And just to your point, I, I agree with you. The way the Usos are cutting promos. Um, and, and I thought, you know, kudos to Creative and everyone who put SmackDown together. I, I really dug how um, between the, the, the sketches and and, Fanda- and Brizango, um coming down to the ring and, and their antics and, and everything that they do and, and that com- comedic lighthearted feel that they had going as, you know, the, the consummate comedic baby faces. And then the Usos come out and, and cut a, a hard edged street, smart street thug kind of promo where they're just kind of in your face. And it just, I just I really dug the the dichotomy there of how uh, you know the two teams are, are so different and and I the way they set that up where it was just you know up until that point it just you kind of had this lighthearted funny feeling about uh, humorous feeling about this matchup and these two teams and then the Usos come down and they cut this this edgy promo uh, I, I just I really like the way that was all put together. And, and I think it's going to be a very entertaining matchup. Rocky. Um, yeah, I think for our first match, we're going to have our first hat trick because I'm going to go with the Usos to win and retain, probably using some sort of underhanded tactic. But, uh, yeah, that both of these teams, uh, you, you have Brizango with their rising popularity. And not for nothing, I think they'll be served well with the chase uh, for future episodes of Fashion Files. <laughs> But uh, again, the, the Usos consummate professionals, they've held the straps before. I'll be, you know, full disclosure, I'm not the biggest Usos fan, but I can respect what they give to the tag team division. They're definitely definite great workers, and uh, they bring in an excitement to the tag team division. They're, just, they're not particularly my cup of tea, but they definitely have their place. But uh, as far as that goes... You have Brizango and their starting popularity. Um, like I said, they, they'll they be served with the chase, and I'm willing to bet later down on the line they're going to clash for the titles again, and we'll see what happens. I'm curious your thoughts. Like, What, what is it about the Usos that doesn't uh, flip your lid, uh, that doesn't butter your toast? <laughs> it, it, it's hard to It's hard to say. Uh, from the get-go, it, at first, I, I'll admit, at first I was on board with the Usos, but as they as they wore on, I don't know, something on me was lost. And if I had to quantify it in any particular uh, description, you go back, I, I don't know. Uh, it, it the, the formula just didn't work for me again. Maybe it's maybe it's the size thing. Maybe I, I expect like a Samoan tag team to be a, a tag team of like big guys. Or harken back to old days where they're wild guys. These guys are high flyers, and they not taking anything away from them. They do it well. 
They pull mo- they pull moves in that ring that you know could be the envy of any worker. Uh, just they just don't do it for me. Interesting. I mean, that, that's the thing with wrestling. See, I because I, I go the other way. I think they've been underappreciated, underutilized, and uh, uh, I think they're more talented than they've gotten credit for. And, and I was impressed uh, again this this past week. Uh, you know, I keep saying it, but uh, I like their promo a lot, and I was. Uh, Pleasantly surprised, like while these guys, uh, you know, have some chops as far as uh, cutting promos and then, you know, their mic work. And uh, you know, I've always been a fan of uh, their their tag team work, and and I've always wanted to see them utilized more, uh, especially to uh, you know beef up and and put into the forefront a little more of the the tag team division. Um, so it's interesting because uh, you're not a fan, and I I would like to see more of the Usos. Uh, where do you stand on the Usos, Dave? I think they're talented as hell. And, I mean, Rocky, make a decent point. You know, you kind of expected them as Samoan guys to be like big, wild Samoans. But at the same time, they're, they're, they're taking the evolution of what a Samoan wrestler was supposed to be. And they're evolving with it and kind of carving out their own niche. But also at the same time recognizing their Samoan lineage in their characters. So, I mean, I think it's a good mixture of old and new with, with the Usos. And, I mean, they're keeping – I like the fact that they, like, switched it up and they got more street gear now, and they're kind of going with today's trends of what younger people are wearing and, and people who, who listen to, you know, um, hip-hop music and stuff like that. They're kind of tapping into that genre which I think is which I think is pretty cool because in the past several years in wrestling, I really feel like that a lot of characters really don't tap into what pop culture or al- certain elements of pop culture are currently currently at. And the Usos, I think, are doing that, but they're not getting enough recognition. And I think now with this title reign and the fact that broken out a little more and added a little more personality to and, and another dimension to their characters, I think that it's, the sky's the limit for them. I Talented is all hell. They, they go in the ring. I, I'm not disappointed with, with them and their matches and, and, and how they produce in the ring at all whatsoever. I mean, and I, I was expecting from them to go be like, you know, white meat baby faces to, to, to heels that they weren't going to change their work around, but they actually work a more methodical style and they don't throw as many high spots in. Another discussion we had a few weeks ago about guys using too many high spots. They're a perfect example of guys that, that know when to use the high spots at certain points and not oversaturate it. And it's just the con- they're, they're, they're consummate workers, and I got nothing but good things to say about the Usos. Then I, I think that's a great point you bring up, Dave, because what I'm what I've grown to really appreciate out of them, and I've all, I've always honestly been an Usos fan. I've always dug them, but um, the fact that they they turned heel and didn't just turn heel and be like, all right, so now we're bad guys, and we're gonna look the same, we're gonna dress the same, we're gonna come out to the same music, we're gonna do everything. We're just we're bad guys now. Um, they took the heel turn and they've changed their in ring style. They've changed uh, their look. Uh, they changed their promo style. So I, I dig everything that they've kind of taken these new characters, the 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 heel Usos, and, and evolved into something different. They took the heel uh, the heel turn seriously, and and they they've worked you know. Like that's what, like you said, Dave. You know, using those high spots in, in, in the in the right spot in the match. Um, you know, the Usos high spots get pops, and and the fact that they they changed it up to uh, 
You know, they didn't turn heel, but do the same exact thing in, in the ring. They, they were able to tweak their style. And I, I just think when you look at guys like that, um, who really get the subtle nuances of, of changing, you know, turning heel or face, um, that goes to someone who just has a sixth sense about it. Uh, someone, you know, people who just grew up in the business and just, uh, just get it. And uh, that to me is really impressive with what, what they've done and how they've, they've changed it up. And uh, all of this being said, I think the three of us are really looking forward to this match, uh, potentially uh, match of the night should be regardless, very fun, uh, but we are all in agreement. The Usos will be retaining the tag team championships on SmackDown coming out of backlash. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five is the number to call. And it is time now for the day five fifty fifty news report. Good afternoon. And welcome to a special Saturday edition of the day five fifty fifty news report. Normally you'll find me delivering all the scoops each and every Sunday at the top of the hour right here at the Ken Reedy show, the best in pro wrestling talk. However, today is Saturday and you'll just have to deal with it. So with that being said, allow me to get into this week's top stories. Right at the top of the news heap this week comes a little ditty from PWInsider.com. As it looks as if the door is still open for a Moro Ranallo return to the commentator's table in WWE. Ranallo left WWE recently after an alleged incident between himself and SmackDown Live color commentator JBL. Ronaldo is still being paid on his original deal, which ends in August, but WWE officials have been in contact with him regarding a potential return. WWE would still like to be able to obtain his services for a commentator's role, but would also like for him to become a public advocate on mental health issues, as it's well documented that Morrow suffers from bipolar disorder and has been dealing with the effects of that for quite some time. It's being said that despite the open lines of communication, there's a slim chance he will return to WWE at this time. New Japan Pro Wrestling announced recently of their expansion into the United States with their debut show taking place in Long Beach, California on July the 1st of this year. It's being reported that the crowning of the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship would take place on this very card in the form of a tournament. In addition to that, AXS Television will be airing this event live in primetime at 8 p.m. on the 1st, with their second show taking place on the 2nd of July, which will then air on the 7th of July on AXS TV. WWE Hall of Famer Jim Ross and former MMA fighter Josh Barnett have been announced to be calling the action for both of those broadcasts. JR recently called the action with Nigel McGuinness for the WWE Network UK Championship Special that aired yesterday afternoon. And he recently announced on Busted Open Radio on Sirius XM that he'll be calling the action this summer on the WWE Network for the 32 Women's Tournament Special. My third story, as much as I can't stand this enormous big mouth crybaby, he has made the headlines this week. And I promise you folks, we here at the Ken Reedy Show plan to do a two-hour bash-a-thon on this individual in the very near future with our new Ken Reedy Show retrospective shows. What am I referring to? CM Punk who is currently competing in the MTV Challenge Champs versus Pros Contest. He has been offered a hefty amount of money to return to the pro wrestling world. Five-star wrestling promoter Daniel Hinkles out of the United Kingdom has made several 
unsuccessful attempts in private to contact Punk regarding a return to the professional wrestling world. And now he's going public, offering Punk a whopping $1 million U.S. million to appear for his promotion. It seems as though Punk hasn't taken these inquiries very seriously, as he hasn't returned any of Hinkle's messages privately and hasn't commented publicly since this news broke. For a guy who says he's not all about the money, the least his skinny fat ass could do is simply reply with a thanks, but no thanks, and be done with it. Just one of the many reasons why I won't lose any sleep over the idea that CM Punk may never return to professional wrestling ever again. With the continued success of the women's evolution in professional wrestling, WWE signed female independent wrestler Kanati Brink to a developmental deal as a referee this past week, according to SquaredCircleSirens.com. Brink was trained at Gilbert's Wrestling School out of Maryland back in 2010. She worked some NXT live events as a referee back in March and has also worked for Ring of Honor, the all-female women's promotion Shimmer, the Shine promotion, and Maryland Championship Wrestling. And in a feel-good story this week, a story that will not only hit you in the heart, but in your digestive system, Ring of Honor held a show in Dearborn, Michigan recently, and unbeknownst to them, received a pleasant surprise from Little Caesars Pizza. The popular pizza chain delivered 15 hot-and-ready pizzas, along with some crazy bread, before the talent were to perform that evening at the War of Worlds show. The friendly gesture came after several Ring of Honor talents had gone back and forth in a friendly banter with the popular pizza chain's Twitter account. ProWrestlingSheet.com reports that Little Caesars headquarters are located nearby where Ring of Honor was holding their event and wanted to hook the crew up with a meal before the show began. Nothing says pro wrestling like pizza and grown men in spandex to bring folks together. And there you have it. Thank you all for joining me on this special Saturday edition of the Day 550-50 News Report. Check out some of our archive shows over at B-Plus Players Radio. You'll find the awesomeness that is our show each and every Tuesday with the replay of our live show over at B-Plus. And if you can't find the most recent download of our show, email that hooligan Mark Adam Haggerty and tell him why you need your fix of the Ken Reedy Show, the best in pro wrestling talk. In hopes he attends to your needs in a timely fashion, you can also then check back in our archives for some more great pro wrestling talk. Speaking of the best, let's send it back to the boys for more comprehensive coverage on tomorrow's WWE Backlash pay-per-view. Take it away. And we're big in France. So just uh, put it as, <laughs> as uh, putting it out there for people to, to listen to us. We are pretty damn big in France. So that's uh, looking at it right now. Yeah, we're, uh, let's see, uh, 14.06% of our, our audience comes from France. Wow. Big, uh, yeah, 76%. Uh, let's give a shout-out. We got 76% from the good old USA, America. America. 3.03% in Germany. There's a 14.06% in France. United Kingdom, 9.37%. And an even 5% in... Highland. Wow. One yeah. night in Bangkok and the whole That's awesome. Just put part of the three hour exodus to the <laughs> I get my kicks above the waistline, sunshine. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five is the number to call as we get you set for WWE. Backlash tomorrow night as we have a special Saturday edition getting you set. Let's get into the the picks. Uh, 
Uh, why don't we get into like Dillinger uh, versus English? Just because, uh, yeah, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> I don't care at all. Um, I'm gonna go with Ty Dillinger with the victory, just because Brock. Well, you know, I, I, I like both of these guys, and <clears throat> they're just starting out. Uh, I am actually going to go against you. I'm going to go with Aiden English because in the last two meetings, Ty has uh, has taken it. So uh, I think Aiden deserves one. Dave? I feel like that there's some plans for Aiden English, and judging by his most recent interactions on SmackDown with Jericho a couple of weeks ago, he looks like he's on the verge of a meltdown. And in order for you to become successful, you got to suffer some pitfalls. So I feel like it won't be the, 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 the most competitive match in the world, but I feel like Ty Dillinger will come out with the victory, but there will be some changes to Aiden English and his future as a singles competitor on SmackDown moving forward. Nice. And then I will care. <laughs> As we, let's see. Let's look over like there. All right. We got Rowan. Uh, versus Harper, Eric Rowan taking on Luke Harper in a singles matchup. Former Wyatt family members going at it. Dave, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Well, it was kind of thrown together. I really expected that there would that there would be some some thought put into this storyline, considering that they had a little bit of interaction a couple nights after WrestleMania when Rowan returned and Harper came out to help Orton. And I, I, considering the history these two have with each other, I really thought that there was a that it would, this would have been a layup for creative to really sink their teeth into. So this was just kind of thrown together. When I heard about how it was thrown together, I, I, it was on Talking Smack, as a matter of fact, the, after, the SmackDown After Show. And they gave Rowan promo time. And they kind of explored this, like, he's kind of transforming. He's still a creep. He's still a weirdo. But he's kind of adding, like, a creepy clown element to his weirdness, which I was kind of intrigued by. Not people. People are not favorable of clowns, whether they're creepy or friendly. Um, nobody will ever out, out, outmatch Doink the Clown for any young folks out there. Google it. Put it in your Google machine. Um, but there's no meat and potatoes to this. However, I do feel like kind of like what English, what I meant, my prediction about Aiden English, I feel like there's a little more that's going to take place with, with, with Rowan after the fact. And they haven't really Harper hasn't really been seen much. I mean, he had he was he was kind of on fire heading into WrestleMania with the interactions with Bray, the stuff with Orton, his match with AJ, and then they did nothing with him. So, with that being said, I'm going to pick Eric Rowan for the victory because they gave him some face time, they gave him some TV time the other night. We haven't seen Harper in a while, and when they're giving some TV time to somebody, you got to think that they're going to put some sort of stock into them. So, Eric Rowan with the victory. Well, with this one, I'm going to differ uh, because, again, looking at the history, uh, both these guys in the Wyatt family, there's there's some animus there, some unfinished business, so to speak. And plus, you have uh, Rowan, who did pick up the victory over Harper in their last outing. So uh, if this could potentially have any legs if you want this to continue for a back and forth and you kind of got to give uh, Harper that next victory so they can have a blow off. You know, this is a match that I'm kind of, I've kind of gone back and forth with and then, you know, you two didn't help. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I guess when I look at, you know, and, and 
there's been a kind of a give and take, a back and forth uh, over time. And, and like you said, Dave, you know, Harper, uh, you know, had a lot going on, then didn't. And there's, uh, you know, hey, you know, and I've said for a while that Harper, they, they've just scratched the surface on how talented he is. And it uh, looks like he might be getting a push. Then they kind of pull back and kind of going back and forth. But, but over the time, I, I do feel like, uh, Harper has definitely gotten more and um, kind of been that, that guy that at least you think they have high hopes for. Um, I hope they do because uh, I, I, I think Harper is a really talented big man. Um, but I think Rowan could use the victory here. So I'm, I'm going to agree with, with Dave here, and I'm going to go with Rowan uh, with the victory over Harper. Uh, and it should be a fun match. I'm hoping for a fun, hard-hitting, big-man match. Again, like uh, match work, I look at this pay-per-view, and I think that there's a, a lot of potential for there to be um, a lot of good, fun matches. Uh, I got to say one match um, I'm not necessarily looking forward to, uh, and even on paper. I don't, I don't know what to think of it, um, and I'm talking about uh, Corbin and Zayn, Baron Corbin versus Sami Zayn. Um, it's interesting. I mean, this is a match where um, number one is uh, Sami Zayn for everything he can do in the ring just doesn't, to me, doesn't have that it factor uh, and doesn't do it for me as a fan. Uh, IWC don't don't like start throwing things or, or threaten me or anything like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, but he just doesn't do it for me. Um, you know, nice little worker guy. Like I'm not saying he, he's he's awful. Um, has a place, I guess, somewhere in in the company. But just I don't know. Just doesn't do it for me. And you know, interesting. He's going against a guy in in, in Baron Corbin who, um, you know, I look at a Baron Corbin and and I look at a guy who, uh, when he came to the the main roster, had a a crap ton of potential and 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 for a lot of people say potential the deadly word the curse of having potential and and when you look at like big men i would say that you know when you look at baron corbin that he was a guy that when you look at corbin and you look at a braun Strowman as these two newer big guys that the upside for baron corbin far exceeded the upside for braun Strowman. um that's flip-flopped and again that's uh, I don't know if it's a testament to um, Corbin being bad or just Strowman being that good. Um, but Strowman has taken the ball and run with it. And it's a shame that he's on the shelf now for potentially six months. Baron Corbin to me for a guy who is, uh, you know, go, go buy into buy that stock. Um, that his stock is kind of dropped for me. Um, is it all his fault? Probably not. Um, could he use a mouthpiece or at least need to improve on the mic? Yeah, yeah, that uh, that would be a definite. Big guy, more athletic than you would think for a guy his size. Um, but a, a guy, a, a character that I've just got, like, I'm kind of uninterested in. So do I look at this match on paper and I think, you know, hell, these are two guys that are decent workers. Um, could they give me something entertaining in this matchup? Uh do I think it's going to be the drizzle shits? No, I, I think that they can give us an entertaining match. Um, I, I, 
I, it's just weird to me that I, I just saw a lot of potential out of Corbin that I, I is not being realized. And there comes a point where, you know, potential's potential, but once it's not being realized, it, it's like, all right, well, where do we go from here? And, and I don't know if Corbin is, is going to be that guy. I looked at him initially as a future main eventer, a guy I could see, um, walking around with the WWE or the Universal title. Uh, I find myself now looking at Corbin thinking, um, I don't know. I don't know where he's going. He's a guy that, you know, if all of a sudden the report came over the line right now and said Corbin was future endeavored, I'm not missing him. And, and it might sound mean. I just, I, I don't, he hasn't engaged me as a fan. Talented, yes. Big guy, yes. Um, but to me, the stock is, is, is kind of plummeted with him. And before we get into our picks for this matchup, um, I just want to get your thoughts, Dave. On I, you know, and honestly, we talked in the pre-show match, a pre-show meeting, if you can call it a meeting, on um, both these. We talked about Baron Corbin and discussing like his career and where it's at. But for both these guys, I, I mean, I just find for me, like Zayn doesn't do it for me. Corbin's stock is kind of down. Um, could be an entertaining matchup, but uh, honestly, at this point, for me, as a fan, neither one of these guys are doing much for me, Dave. I can see why you feel that way about both individuals. Um, maybe, and this is how I look at it with both guys. As far as Sami Zayn goes, he, to me, he has that like regular Joe kind of appeal to him. Not everyone can, you know look like a superhero or come out of, you know, come looking out of, you know, like a superhero out of a comic book or a movie star in, in professional wrestling. Some people have to relate to someone who is a normal guy. Daniel Bryan had that element. Talented is all hell, but he had that regular guy, you know, middle class kind of vibe going to him, you know, that, that a lot of people could relate to. Sami Zayn has some of that. I, I don't think we've really scratched the surface as far as Sami Zayn goes. I think he's been a victim of, like, like a lot of guys on the roster. They start something, then they stop it with him. Then he disappears, then they bring him back and make him relevant again. I mean, like, I, I think he's been a victim of that. Um, he plays the underdog very well, and I, and I think that's why this matchup with, with Corbin is going to be good for him and also good for Corbin um, to enhance both, you know, each other in the ring because Corbin plays a good bully. And Sami Zayn plays just, a, you know, a, a regular guy that you would probably cast in the Big Bang Theory. Uh, but, he's, you know, an under, he, he's an underdog, and he's somebody that a lot of people from that genre can relate to. With, with all due respect to people who watch that show. I'm a, I personally watch it myself, myself. But people who relate more to that sort of thing. So I think there's more to be said for Sami Zayn as time goes on. I think they just have to give him more of a chance and not treat him like, Barry Horowitz with a gimmick, if that's how you if, if you could portray it that way. Baron Corbin, on the other hand, I think he's been a victim of different circumstances. Another one of those start and stop pushes. However, WrestleMania season, a lot of guys get lost in the shuffle. You try and cram so many guys on one show, not everyone's going to get as much attention. Okay, Corbin lost the Elimination Chamber match. He blamed it on Dean Ambrose. He beat Ambrose up for weeks. 
They kind of had a decent little thing going on. Then the last couple of weeks before WrestleMania, they hardly showed them on TV, and guess what? They got relegated to the kickoff show. That was the blow-off, Ambrose beating Corbin. And then a week later, they had the superstar shakeup. And it seemed like Corbin's issues with Ambrose, well, those were all done now because Ambrose is over on Raw, and I'm still over here on SmackDown. Like, it just felt very unresolved. I think another thing that goes that works against Baron Corbin is that there are too many big men that they're trying to portray and highlight right now. Yes, over on Raw, you have Braun Strowman, okay? But on SmackDown, it looks like they're trying to do something with Eric Rowan. I don't know if they're planning on doing something with Harper, but he's another big guy. Rusev apparently is going to be back in the picture because he's been rumored to be coming back soon. They even brought him on TV recently to announce that he was going to be on SmackDown, and for some reason, he wasn't on SmackDown this past week. So, I mean, I, I feel like they're, 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 they're overcrowding their, their, their storylines in many ways with certain guys, and I think Corbin's become a victim of that. Um, a mouthpiece? Yeah, Ken. I would agree 100%. Or even a valet. Not necessarily a mouthpiece. Maybe like some hot like rock or metal kind of chick to kind of go with his vibe. Maybe give her you know, a sleeve of tattoo. Somebody with that kind of vibe, that kind of look. You know, there's that Ruby Riot girl down in NXT. Maybe one day they'll bring her up, pair her up with Corbin. I don't know. Um, but I feel like it's not necessarily been his fault, but it's it's been a he's been a victim of different, you know, extenuate, extenuating circumstances. And but I do think that the match with with him and Zayn will be a good one. Like I said, he's a bully, and Zayn's an underdog. He's a regular Joe, and those two parallels work well together in the realm of wrestling. So I think they'll produce a pretty good match. Hopefully, regardless of the outcome, one, if not both of them, come out of it better and moving forward with their characters on SmackDown, as opposed to what you normally see, especially in mid-card angles in WWE, where one guy will move on to bigger things and the other guy will just be working the dark match or isn't relevant for an extended period of time. Well, in this match, I can agree. I can agree that both of these guys seem proverbially on deck. Uh, they, they're in a holding pattern to the next, uh, you know, hopefully big thing. Because again, both of these guys are talented, and uh, I'm a fan of both. Um, Sammy definitely plays the quintessential underdog. Uh, you have Corbin, who's uh, like Dave said, good at playing the bully. You know, he ha- he's got the size, and uh, I particularly enjoyed. Uh, Corbin's run in NXT when uh, he had that little undefeated streak going and he had that little rivalry with Bull uh, with Bull Dempsey as to who can finish their opponents off quicker and whatnot. And you figured once that was done, once he handed Bull his first loss in NXT and then he moved up and uh, won the Andre Giant Battle Royal, you thought that Corbin was on the fast track to a lot of big things. And uh, unfortunately, it just hasn't happened yet. Um and let's face it, he does uh, still need some polish. Uh, the same with Zane. Uh, with Zane, I, I think the polish is in his personality. Um, while I enjoy the underdog character, uh, he still there, there's still something miss that that it factor they're missing that I think Zane is still trying to define within his own character where he wants to go. Uh, with all that in the mix, I think for this match, uh, my pick for the winner uh, is going to be uh, Baron Corbin 
slightly, you know, he, he's going to edge it out after a, a good fight with Sammy because both of these guys can go. Uh, I think it's going to be Corbin, though, that is going to advance. And I'm going to agree with you. Uh, I'm going to go with Corbin uh, to be victorious. Uh, pretty much, honestly, because I, I, I still, with the both of them, um, I just see the upside with Corbin being greater. Um, and to your point, Dave, uh, you know, someone's going to come out of this and perhaps move on to bigger and better things, and someone else is going to come out of this and perhaps uh, be doing pre-show and dark matches. Um, you know, if I was running things and I was looking at these two guys and, and trying to figure out who uh, potentially could move up the card, uh, I'm still looking at Corbin, although uh, I still think he needs something, and, and both guys, to me, are just missing that that it factor that uh takes someone who uh is is physically gifted and and moves them up to being a, a bona fide star. There's just that, that that it factor that's missing for me with both these guys. Uh but I see Corbin coming out victorious, Dave. Yeah, I'm gonna have to agree with you only because I made the point earlier Sami Zayn plays a good underdog and he's one of those guys that he'll still get a good reaction regardless. He's not super over, but he's over enough where, and he's likable enough, and he makes you believe that he's got a chance, but then when he loses, you're disappointed, but you still want to see him come back and fight again. So I feel like he'll take a good beating. Um, he did it with Strowman a few months ago, which was great, and I thought that he'd be rewarded for that with a decent spot on WrestleMania. That wasn't the case, but nonetheless, he's on SmackDown now, and like I said, SmackDown has always been dubbed the land of opportunity, so I'm confident that even though I'm predicting he will lose and Corbin will win, that he'll have a better chance of succeeding further following this match with Corbin. Hell, maybe they'll continue their rivalry with each other heading into the next month, June, which would be money in the bank. Good stuff. So we got ourselves a hat trick there. All of us picking Corbin to go victorious over Zane. Dave, I'm just, what are your thoughts on how the ladies have been doing over there in SmackDown and um, the recent face turn of one Charlotte Flair? Well, let's hit the ladies. Oh, never mind. We can't do that. You've already done <laughs> You've already hit the ladies. Now, let's, let's touch upon the ladies. Hello? Now, Hello. We're, now we're touching ladies. Okay. I'm down with okay. that. <laughs> Good thing my wife's not home. Anyhow. Um, <laughs> oh, wait, that's her right there at the door with the axe. In her <laughs> Sorry, gotta go. No, all right, seriously, in all seriousness, the, I've been kind of digging the girls thing where, like, the other girls who've been kind of underutilized have been banding together. I've been kind of liking that. I thought it was going to be like a one-off thing, but, like, that whole welcoming committee and then, like, having Ellsworth is, like, their – valet so to speak <laughs> their um, bitch <laughs> yeah their bitch pretty much yeah the guys he's he's he he drew the short straw he's taking the bumps you know so um but no I, i've been kind of digging that a little bit it kind of gives natalia a purpose um gives tamina a purpose who just came back from injury even though you know she just kind of stands there doesn't really do much um i guess you can call her the muscle of the group and then carmella who's got the who's got the real upside because of her youth and her look and just the idea that you know you know they've got plans for her so i've been kind of digging what they've been doing um i don't know how long that's going to last though but it's got some legs to it as far as the charlotte face turn goes um 
it looks like they're on board for that. But then at the same time, they, they almost – she hasn't really changed who she is. She still kind of treats her teammates like a bitch. You know, she still acts like a bitch towards them. Like, still kind of a heel in many ways. Like, you haven't really seen, like, a full-fledged baby face turn from her. I mean, and the people are still kind of reacting the same. They're not, like, jumping out of their chairs like, oh, I want to see Charlotte beat up the welcoming committee. I mean, she Charlotte's done such a good job, to me, as a heel in WWE that people don't forget that. At least the WWE audience doesn't forget that. So they're not, like... There's, there hasn't been a definitive reason as to why people should be cheering for her. Just be, and, it, and I don't think it's just because the welcoming committee is not welcoming her to SmackDown. Like, I feel like there should be more to that. Um, with that being said, um, this is kind of another make-or-break match for some of the talents in this match. You know, Naomi's a champion, but she's got pretty big shoes to fill if Charlotte's in that division with everything Charlotte has done over on Raw. Becky Lynch has been kind of literally the redheaded stepchild out of the four horsewomen, and she really hasn't done a whole lot since she lost the title, uh, the SmackDown Women's title. And then you got the welcoming committee itself. Carmella, with her singles run, um, has done all right, but I think she, I think this match is going to really kind of determine whether or not she could stand on her own. Natalia and, and Tamina really haven't done much, but, I mean, this is an opportunity for pretty much all these girls, with the exception of Charlotte, to really stand out and, and, and make a name for themselves in the SmackDown women's division and, and hopefully be on par or at least get to, that, get to that level at some point of being on par with Charlotte. So with that being said, I think the, op, I, I think the, the, the upside, as we've used that term a lot on the show today, is with the welcoming committee. And I think that they're going to defeat the babyface group of Naomi, the women's champs, Charlotte, and Becky Lynch due to the – the issues that the babyface girls have with each other, not being able to trust each other so much. So my pick, Tormella, Tamina, and Natalia, with James Ellsworth, the bitch. <laughs> I can agree with Dave as far as uh, this face turn from Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte has done so well cementing herself as a heel. It, it's it's going to take – a little bit more than okay. Well, I guess I'm resting on the side of the angels now. Uh, for for her to be accepted as a face, it's going to take some work. Uh, though I think she can do it. Absolutely. You know, again, harken back to uh, dear old dad. You know, Flair was just as good uh, on one side of the coin than the other. Although, let's face it, we all love him as as heel Ric Flair. Um, I. I'm enjoying what they're doing with Natalia and and this new welcoming committee. Um, in my opinion, I think Natalia de- definitely deserves at least one more Roman with a belt. You know, that's completely separate of, of all this. But uh, I think it's a good vehicle for Tamina to get back on her feet, for Carmella to probably, uh, you know, keep her mouth shut and learn all she can from those two, uh, those two veterans. Um, and, of course... You know, you have unlucky James there who gets to hang around those checks. But uh, with all that, I'm de- I'm gonna give the win to the welcoming committee because if you wanna if you want these girls to uh, have some prominence, you know, have the faces have this big force to fight, uh, they're gonna need to get some W's under their belt in order to be taken seriously. And uh, it's gonna be underhanded tactics, no doubt about that. But I think they're gonna pull out the victory. 
It's amazing. And, you know, it's a testament to how long she's been around and, and, you know, being part of the company. I mean, I, I found it interesting, Rocky, you said like Natalia deserves like one more run, at least one more run with the belt. She's 34. She, I mean, she deserves like multiple runs. She's just been around for so long and been such a, uh, a stability in, in the ladies division. And uh, to me, I'm a big Natalia fan. And uh, like any time they figure out a way to use her, effectively and put her uh, in the forefront of the women's division to me is the right move. Natalia's good. Natalia's been underutilized the bulk of her career there. Um, she should be used more. And even seeing her being, you know, it sounds like we're talking about women. Like she should be used more. <laughs> Use her. When the context of wrestling, um, you know, the, the, I have been, you know, for years, like, what are you doing with Natalia? You ha- I mean, you know, the, the ladies wrestling is definitely on the upswing. Um, but there was a, a big chunk of time where Natalia was probably by far the best female worker on the roster. And they just weren't using her. I, I, and I don't understand why uh, that was the case. So if, if, you are, if you are putting Natalia in the forefront, you're giving her a storyline to sink her teeth into. You're giving her matches on pay-per-views. Uh, you're putting her in the title hunt. To me, that's all where Natalia belongs. Um, it, it's not like, oh, good, they're doing this. Like, no, she belongs there. She's earned that spot. Um, I dig what she's doing right now. I'm liking the, the welcoming committee. Um, I agree that the Charlotte Flair he, uh, face turn, um, I don't know. And and do they scrap it and then go back heel? Do, do we have something where uh, maybe not a full-on back to heel, but maybe some dissension? Maybe they... They just don't get along so well. Hell, maybe Charlotte finds out that Naomi leaked those nudie pictures. Who knows? <laughs> but wouldn't be surprised if there's, there's either dissension in the ranks there or, like you said, Rock, something underhanded from the welcoming committee. Um, does the bitch James Earl Ellsworth have something to do with uh, this match? Perhaps. But we have a hat trick here. I'm going to go with the welcoming committee to be victorious. Um, I am really – I think there's going to be an entertaining matchup. I really look forward to seeing uh, all these ladies um, get in there, go at it. I'm really looking forward to uh, hopefully seeing Natalia and Charlotte get in the ring and having a chunk of time to, to go at it. I, I think this is going to be a, a very entertaining match. Um, God willing, they keep Tamina out of the ring as, as long as they possibly can. Um, but I think this is going to be a fun, entertaining matchup. And, um, but the welcoming committee winds up victorious. That would be awesome if they went storyline. They only leaked the nudies. <laughs> they do that, man. That was one of those things where, like, I don't know if you guys saw the, the nudies, but um, yeah, the mental image was a lot better than the uh, the, the the actual. Uh, trying to go back to like what I imagined her looking like nude, but uh, I digress. <laughs> you, know, you know, real life, you know, mirroring storylines. You know, you use that. Like all of a sudden, they uh, figure out one of the other ladies leaked the photos. Yeah, who knows? Three percent. I'm going off on a tangent. I need to stop. Three percent eight eight nine eight one five is the number to call. Let's get back into our picks. Um, couple of like you know we got some match of the year potential candidates. Um, and it, you know the next match. This is interesting because I, I gotta say, and and now now the the internet wrestling community is really gonna hate me, but um, Nakamura, talented guy, doesn't do it for me for for some reason. I just can't get into his character. It just he just doesn't do it for me. I'm looking forward, and I, I'm willing to admit, though, like this is going to be a potential match of the year candidate. 
Um, I, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. I love Dolph Ziggler and everything Dolph Ziggler brings to the table. I do think Nakamura is going to emerge victorious. Um, I hope that these two guys are given the time uh, to put on a, a good match and, and, and really showcase what they can do. Um, I don't think it's necessarily over between these two. I'd like to see a, a program and a, a bunch of matches between these two guys. Again, I don't, and I'm curious your guys what you think of Nakamura. I just – I don't know, man. He just doesn't do it for me. Uh, and, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but uh, your thoughts on this match, Rock? Well, obviously this match has potential to be, you know, match of the night, you know, possibly match of the year. Both of these people have that kind of talent. Um, the build, For all of the talk we did at the beginning of the show, as far as the buildup of this pay-per-view, at least the buildup of this match is something I, I have enjoyed because, you know, I think Dave alluded to to it earlier. Um, like these guys haven't touched each other yet. These, you know, they've barely. They they haven't mixed it up in the ring. It, it's been everyone's chomping at the bit to see these two guys clash. Now, in the beginning when they were doing the build up and they actually gave Nakamura mic time, I personally questioned the wisdom in that. I was like, because it's obvious Nakamura has all the talent in the world, not the best grasp of English. And I was like, do you really want to get, give Nakamura a, a lot of mic time? Like when uh, when Dolph was doing his buildup and he was joking and, and taking the mic away, that was obviously gold. But eventually, you know, the man's going to get his hands on it. And then you go, oh, that's why he was taking the mic away. <laughs> that's why they were minimizing that time. Uh, but, you know, with all that in the mix – I th- still think it's been a good buildup. I think we're going to be in for a great match tonight. Uh, and like I said, as far as Nakamura is concerned, maybe the, not the most well-defined character, but he is definitely a character. You, you, you don't know. You're not quite 100% sure what to make of him, but he's definitely something. And he's definitely got talent in that ring, and I think it's going to be a great match. And your pick? My pick? Ah. I was, I was hoping to, to swing around later. Well, it's it's like Dave said before, this is his debut match. So to me, it's as much as I like Ziggler and I want Ziggler to succeed and I want him to, to continue on in the company, I think today he's definitely dropping one to Nakamura. Dave, your thoughts? Um, I can understand why people don't understand what kind of a character Shinsuke Nakamura is. I've not seen a whole lot of him. I've heard of him. I know that's hard to believe considering how much wrestling I watch, but nonetheless, uh, I watched a, I watched his uh, his Wrestle Kingdom match with AJ Styles uh, in beginning of 2016 before both of them made their debuts in WWE. Um, he kind of had this, like, and can Maybe maybe you could understand it better because you're a fan of this. You're you're a Michael Jackson fan, but he kind of had that like Michael Jackson vibe to him with like the moves and like just the, the 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 ways he moved his body around with his character in his ring entrance. Not saying that like he's some great dancer by any means, but just adding that to his presentation. Um, and the people in Japan during when I watched it during this entrance were were, were up in arms for it. Japanese wrestling fans are, are the kind of fans that, you know, will sit silently during a match because they appreciate the sport of it. But they were entertained by his presentation, so to speak. 
So he kind of has a little bit of that Michael Jackson vibe in that sense. If I can at least, you know, do the man justice, may he rest in peace. So when he came to NXT, I was very intrigued by him. I could care less whether the guy could speak a lick of English or not, okay? Undertaker was one of the most polarizing figures in the history of wrestling, okay? And he hardly said four words, and three of them were rest in peace. So, <laughs> but, but, but people, people look at him as like one of the greatest of all time, which you could make an argument for that. I'm not knocking people for that. But I think people rely too heavily on, oh, this guy needs to talk. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think necessarily that's what needs to get him over, you know, how he can communicate with the audience. I mean, he comes out, his entrance is more over than he is, okay? The people hum along with his entrance, and it's just the, 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 the unique music and the, the violin and all those. I mean, it's a very unique entrance. And I think it adds that presentation to that character. He, in some ways, has like an Undertaker aura that when you're listening to his music, you get goosebumps. My wife, she loves his entrance. She loves Nakamura. And she hardly watches wrestling. But when he comes out, she tunes in because he's got that kind of effect on people, at least from my perspective. And I could be wrong. You can all argue it with me if you want. I really don't care, but this is my opinion. <laughs> so, I, I seriously. I mean, everyone's got an opinion. There's, there's, there's three ways of looking at it. Your way, my way, and the right way, okay? But nonetheless, I feel like, like Rock said, it's his debut match. He's on the Backlash poster. They've made a big deal of not overexposing him. He's got that special kind of treatment where, like, you don't put him on TV every week because you can appreciate him more, you know, when he does come out. And in many ways, I, I would compare him to Undertaker. And I know a lot of people, holy God, the Internet, they might just have a riot if I just compared him to Undertaker. Holy shit. Well, I'm sorry, guys, but that's just my opinion. I think this match, and I think Ziggler is the perfect opponent for him. Ziggler can sell his ass off. Ziggler can sell meat to a vegetarian. That's how good he is, okay? Like, he's, he's, he's that good at, at selling and wrestling. And I think he will be able to help make Nakamura's transition from NXT to the main roster, I think he's the I think he's the perfect opponent to help bridge that gap and, and, and make that transition. And it's in Chicago. People in Chicago they go kind of crazy. I'll explain that later in my pick of regarding Orton and Mahal. But it's a good. It's a, I think they picked the right time for him to make a debut. And if they don't overexpose him and accentuate his positives, like his entrance, his unique look his unique mannerisms in the ring, his repertoire, I think that would be enough to get him over as opposed to his shitty English that, that, he, that, that, that people are so worried about when he touches the microphone. So with that being said, after that long dissertation, I apologize, boys, Shinsuke Nakamura with the victory. You know, it's interesting because I agree with you. I think his, his entrance is, is phenomenal, and you're right. His entrance is more over than he is. Um, which I find intriguing on, on a total side note. Um, I have not over there on raw since Finn Balor has stopped doing like the, the demon entrance and stuff. I, I have just found him completely uninterested. Like I'm like, so like not into Finn Balor right now. Um, I, I miss the whole demon thing. I thought the, the, you know, to, to your point, Dave, like when your entrance is more over than you are, um, I kind of miss the, the, the demon thing. I wish uh, that that kind of came back. And uh, I, I don't know, like, and, and, you know, maybe it's a discussion for another day. But, uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes when you have uh, 
a special kind of entrance, you know, um, and maybe that's part of it. You know, they, they've kept them apart. Um, so you don't get that entrance. So uh, maybe I'll have a different feel of Nakamura uh, at the pay-per-view uh, tomorrow night, but um, so far not doing it for it, but I do dig his, his entrance. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five is the number to call. You want to chime in on your picks uh, for WWE backlash as we, Talk about Kevin Owens versus AJ Styles. Yet another match of the night slash perhaps match of the year candidate. Um, Really looking forward to to this matchup. Um, Two guys who know how to go. I love what Kevin Owens is doing. Kevin Owens, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, sometimes you have guys that mirror each other. Uh, You know, Kevin Owens over there on SmackDown, Miz over there on Raw. Uh, two guys that are just throwback kind of heels. Uh, love what Owens is doing as as the consummate um, old school kind of heel. Um, I think this is going to be a really fun match, um, hard hitting. Uh, I look at two guys that really know what they're doing in the ring. Um, two guys who move really well in that squared circle. I think it's going to be a great matchup, and I think this program has got legs. Um, who knows if they have uh, plans to put that strap on AJ at some point, but for me coming out of backlash, and this is another match. I'll be honest, would not shock me at all. If we have a AJ styles victory, but not walking out with the title kind of vibe. Um, but, uh, as far as my pick goes, I am going to go with Kevin Owens, victorious retaining the United States Championship tomorrow night at Backlash. Dave, your thoughts here? Um, I think what they've done here by pairing these two together has been to add some more prestige and meaning to the United States title in a way that Miz and Dolph Ziggler did with the Intercontinental title last year. SmackDown lost the Intercontinental title over to Raw, and now they have a United States Championship that basically is kind of treated like a belt you would wear in your pants, not a championship, just a very nice belt. And by putting two guys, caliber of AJ Styles and Kevin Owens, fighting over the importance of being the United States champion, I think is a good thing for the United States championship. It doesn't make AJ Styles or Kevin Owens any lesser of a former because they're not competing for the WWE championship. As much as the internet would like to see the two of them, and Daniel Bryan and CM Punk and every other Japanese wrestler in the world whose name I can't pronounce compete for the WWE Championship on any given night. This is the situation. This is, these are the cards that have been dealt. And AJ and Owens, I think, will elevate this title. And I think this will be a series of matches. It wouldn't surprise me if this, this the blow-off takes place between these two either before SummerSlam or at SummerSlam. Um, I've been really digging, like you said, Owens is a perfect throwback as a heel. You know what I love about him? The fact that he calls, he's French Canadian, but he calls himself the face of America. And now he's referring to the United States championship as the United States of America championship. Just the wording and the way he says it makes you like want to punch him in the face, you know? And it, it does, at least for me, like he's got, the, he's got those heel tendencies that like you, 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 you love to hate, you know, he's a throwback and he does a great job of it. Like, I don't think Kevin Owens is cool. You know what I mean? A guy who comes to work in a T-shirt and his gym shorts, like, that's not cool to me, you know? So I want to see AJ Styles, as a wrestling fan, beat Kevin Owens. And 
AJ, he's been on the rise. He's been on a roll for, for over a year now. I think it's a good spot for him. And I'm expecting this match to, to – I'm expecting this rivalry to continue. So, like I said, I think it's going to be a series. It wouldn't surprise me if they if, – like you said, Ken, if AJ wins the belt. But I don't think that's going to happen tomorrow night. I think Owens will keep the belt, and this rivalry will continue, and this will be something that will be talked about from an in-ring standpoint after this year is over. Kevin Owens and AJ Styles tearing it up in the summer of 2017. Yeah, I'm going to jump in here, and I'm going to agree. Um, the Again, this is another match, potential you know, match of the night, match of the year. You know, put whatever label on it you want. Kevin Owens has definitely cemented himself as a great heel. I don't, I, I'm not all too familiar with his independent work. I'm, with, I'm familiar with some of it. I don't even know if he's ever, if he's ever wrestled a face. I, I'm assuming he has at some point, but he's a great heel. Um, AJ has obviously wrestled in that face before. AJ's popularity to, to me, it's just, while he does play a great heel to me, it's just a matter of time. And this is a, a great place to start cutting his teeth and, and pushing him more and more into that face role. Because especially when you look at the top um, and you have potentially Randy Orton or. Uh, oh, my God, his name just jumped out of my head. Jinder Mahal, who are potential candidates to, to hold the top belt, you know, Obviously, down the line, I don't think either, either competitor will, will still be in that picture, but you definitely want AJ in the top title picture. But for now, adding this prestige to the U.S. title is, is a win-win, in my opinion. Uh, but you're going to see a great fight, and I, I do think that Kevin Owens will retain. I would be surprised if he just simply clocks AJ with a dang belt. But uh, he's definitely going to retain his belt today. And maybe AJ pulls the victory by by DQ or, or some such. And yet, this might be a record for us. We, we need to look back. We need to look back in the archives, in the records. Uh, five so far. Five hat tricks as far as our picks so far. Uh, lots of agreement going on in uh, Today's picks. I said there was a woman that came in my again. I said uh, early in the show, in my real life, I, I work with people with disabilities, and someone came to visit our program that has behaviors when she hears the number five or anything surrounding the number five. So, you know, like why did you say five? Wow. She can't watch a King Kong Bundy match then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a, the funny thing is, I'm sitting in the clinical team meeting, and that's all I'm thinking of. All I'm thinking, they're discussing how they're going to be proactive and what strategies, and I'm just thinking, five. <laughs> I'm, I'm just not a very mature individual. Uh, so anyway, it brings us to our main event. The main event. Jinder Mahal in the main event. Who would have thought it for the W? WE Championship versus Randy Orton, the Viper. He's hearing voices. It's crazy. What's going to happen? Does Randy Orton retain his title? Or, my God, does Jinder Mahal walk out of backlash? The WWE 
champion. Such intrigue here. Do we have another hat trick? I don't know. Rock, your thoughts on this championship match? Well, this is obviously the big one that everyone's going to be uh, thinking about because here you have Jinder Mahal who pulls himself up from obscurity, obviously goes to the gym more than once. Uh, More than once a day. More than once a day. (laughs) Uh, Has gotten himself a couple of cohorts in the Bollywood Boys and uh, is really receiving a substantial push. And, you know, it, it can be debated. Is it deserved? Is it warranted? What have you? I, myself, am happy for the guy. He's definitely on his way up. And then you have Randy Orton, who is, uh, you know, could be arguably one of the best workers uh, of our generation. Uh, the the guy is gold in the ring. Maybe not gold all the time on the mic, but his in-ring work is impeccable. Uh, I suspect a, a, a fun match. I suspect a hard-hitting match. I think we're probably going to see stuff out of Jinder that we haven't before. If, if you know, if this is the time that he was holding a couple of cards to his chest, these are the time. This is the time to deal out those cards. I am going to go out on the limb, <gasps> and I am going to say for my pick that Jinder Mahal is going to win the WWE Championship. Wow. All of India will be joined in celebration if Rocky is right and Jinder Mahal walks out as the WWE champion. That would be shocking. Shocking. But, you know, I'm right there. I'm digging the push. I'm happy for him. Um, Does the WWE go out and pull the trigger on something that shocking? I say nay. I say the voices inside his head will pull him to victory. Um, I think Randy Orton's going to win. I agree with you, Rock, though, that this is a matchup where um, I'm expecting, you know, you've been given the opportunity. I'm expecting Jinder Mahal to show us um, some stuff maybe that we haven't seen before out of him, um, something that will uh, at least put him in a position where if he's unsuccessful in this run of the title, that we can take him seriously in, in future programs. I really hope when it comes to um, Jinder Mahal that, you know, I suspect he's going to be unsuccessful in this program. And I hope it is a program, and I hope uh, there's some future meetings and uh, this goes on. I I hope it's not over. But even if it is over, I hope that Creative has something on the horizon for Jinder. I think he's earned it. Um, I think he's done an admirable job. I get the criticism where, you know, hey, this guy's a jobber. Now we have to take him seriously as a bona fide threat to Randy Orton. I understand that criticism, but whatever. It's wrestling, and I dig putting someone new in in the mix. I hope we have something after this program uh, put in place for Jinder Mahal. But my pick, I think Randy Orton is successful, retains his title, and we don't have a hat trick for this final matchup. So it winds up with five (laughs) hat tricks. But Dave, break the tie here. Who emerges victorious? Who walks out of backlash? The WWE champion. All right. Thank you very much. A um, couple of points I want to bring up here, and I'll try and be quick because I know we're short on time. Hey, 
go ahead. A great wrestling match, to me, one of the elements is the crowd that helps make a great wrestling match. The performers play a big part in it, but the crowd is also a big element to making a great match, in my opinion. Some great matches that have involved the crowd, Hogan and Rock at WrestleMania 18, okay? The, the, the Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, WrestleMania 31, the audience in, in, in Levi Stadium really helped add some intensity to that match. You're welcome. People in the Allstate Arena in Chicago, I think, are going to play a big part in the presentation of this match for a number of reasons. Number one, recently, Randy Orton basically took a big, giant dump threw it in a dumpster, lit it on fire, and hand-delivered it to every independent wrestler, internet mark, and veterans that wrestle on the indie scene with his dissertation about what makes a great wrestling match. If you haven't seen it, go on the Ken Reedy Show Facebook page, look under visitor posts. I posted some lengthy tweets involving Randy Orton, Bubba Ray Dudley, and some other vets that had some issues over Randy Orton's comments about the internet and indie wrestling. I don't think the Chicago fan base is going to be too welcoming to a guy like Randy Orton because of his remarks recently on the internet. Chicago's kind of a smarky kind of town, and I feel like that they're going to let their voice be heard towards Randy Orton, which in turn, they may actually be cheering for Jinder Mahal to come out the victor in this match. You would have thought before Randy Orton took a shit on internet wrestling fans that the crowd would be behind him because Jinder Mahal is an international superstar and a heel, and he's not the guy that they would have picked to be in the main event, so they're going to boo him anyway. I think the crowd's going to play a big part in this, and I'm excited for that. I agree with you, Rocky. I think we're going to see some different things from Jinder Mahal and intensity. I think we'll see the Singh brothers, the Bollywood boys, whatever they want to call themselves, them two little midgets. I think, uh, I think we'll you know, see them get involved somehow. But I'm going to break this tie by agreeing with Ken. I think Randy Orton is going to come out victorious. But I, don't, I think there's going to be some controversy in that victory. I think maybe Orton will deliver an RKO, and one of the Singh brothers will put Mahal's foot either under the rope or on the rope, and the referee will make the three count, but we won't see it. We'll see a controversial finish, forcing them to have a rematch of sorts, maybe at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. But I don't think this is over. And that's where I stand with Jinder Mahal and Randy Orton for the WWE Championship in the main event of Backlash. Out on the limb. <laughs> that's all. Yeah, I, I, I also I thought we were going to have another hat trick on there, so we, we end with five hats. Still a lot for us. Still a lot, yeah. a lot of hat tricks for us. But uh, yeah, I'm kind of, you know, Dave, I, I think that was a really good point. I didn't even think of like what, how is the crowd going to react? Uh, that Chicago crowd always has a hand in. Uh, Something they need to have their voices heard. They need to take over the show. So, who knows what the crowd, how the crowd's going to react. Um, you know, was Randy Orton's comments uh, well-placed and, and done on purpose to uh, kind of tweak the, uh, the crowd and kind of mix the reaction on Sunday night? Maybe it was all intention. Maybe uh, the voices in his head told him to do it, and that's why he did it. <laughs> Who knows? But I, I think it's going to be fun. I, I'm actually, you know, it's one of those things, man, where I, I look at a matchup like this and, um, 
you know, maybe part of it is being on the independent scene and, and knowing a lot of independent wrestlers and then being on shows like I'm rooting for Jinder and not necessarily to win. I'm just rooting for him to have a good match and for them to use him going forward. I, 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 I dig it, man. When someone who uh, has been languishing for a uh, bulk of their career and kind of gets that opportunity. So I hope he steps up. I hope we have a kick-ass matchup. Honestly, we put out there certain matches that we looked at as potential match of the year candidates. I'm rooting for Ginger to put out him. I would love to see Randy Orton, Ginger Mahal to be a match of the year candidate coming out of backlash. And, and that goes for, for Ginger Mahal. So good for him right now. Uh, rooting for him. Everyone tomorrow night, backlash. Enjoy the show. Check out the Facebook. We're going to come out with you with a special show coming up soon. We'll put the schedule on Facebook for Rocky and Dave. I am Ken. Good night, everybody. <laughs>